We're delighted that Ben Gummer, the prospective candidate for the Conservatives, is with us today, and that our current MP, Chris Moyles, will be with us on the 7th of February. We've also extended the same invitation to uh, the Liberal Democrats, so look out for uh, times and dates regarding that. Would you please welcome Ben as he comes now? Ben, we'll start with something really easy. Where does your family come from? Um, you're not the only Welshman here, are you? As no. Well? <laughs> I heard someone else earlier. I'm, well, originally from South Wales, but the last 30 years I was brought up in Suffolk, in Debenham, about 20, 25 minutes from here. And now I live here. Just down the road, in fact. The, the best of everything. Exactly. From <laughs> Wales, living here, what more could you, you want? But politicians, it seems to me, are um, less honoured now than perhaps they've been in a long, long time. Why on earth would you get involved in politics, given that? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I'm not, I, I think that politicians have been uh, pretty disliked for a much longer time than the last year. Um, and I suspect what has happened over the last year when there's been a particular problem um, has been that it's crystallised people's real disenchantment with politics because they feel that they vote, nothing happens, um, that all the parties are the same, that we're all liars and cheats. and It's a, it's a general disenchantment and it got crystallised in the expenses scandal. And that is an opportunity. If you want to try and change things, I'm aware that you can only change things a very little, but if one of the ways you can do it is try and generate trust again and hope that people have faith that their democracy works. And that's an enormous opportunity. You know, you should always buy when the market's low. <laughs> <laughs> so given that, and that be a, as a platform, a springboard for your engagement, what are the kind of values that you hold around which you, you engage in the whole political scene? funny thing happened to me a week after I was selected. Um, someone asked me a question on the doorstep, um, which uh, I, gave, I didn't give a dishonest answer to, but I didn't give a fully honest answer to. And I came away and I thought, I didn't like that. I didn't like feeling like that. Um, and one of the things I can do is to be as open as possible with people so that even if I know they're not going to like what I say, that I'm saying what I believe. And... It's a rule that I've stuck by, and it's made me much happier about being a candidate because I think that when it comes to the election, if all of you here don't vote for me, then that's good because, in a way, I'm not the right person to represent you in Parliament. On the other hand, if you do like what I'm saying, I've only put forward what I believe and I've tried to be honest about it, and therefore um, I am representing you. Um, and that's what democracy is about. You can't be bitter about not winning. Um, it's about putting yourself forward, and hopefully um, you like that. So truth is high on the agenda. Another value, perhaps, that, that would inform your decision-making and your choices? I think the, the thing that really got me into politics originally was that I had a, you know, much of we were talking earlier, I think all of us have a moment sometimes when you try and work out how you're going to be useful in life. Um, and I had one about two and a half years ago. Um, and I was running a business, a successful business, but I thought this isn't really what I can do that's really going to make use of my talents. Um, and the thing that I feel strongly is that I've had a very privileged upbringing in the sense of my family, a strong family, um, a, a fantastic education, and I feel that there are many people in the world who don't have that. 
um, and the place to start often is close to home. And I didn't really want to do it somewhere that wasn't my home, and so Ipswich came up, and I was very privileged to have that opportunity here. So that really, I suppose, is my driving motivation. Thank you. I mean, you will know because of what I've said with you just earlier on, but the, the church is overwhelmingly the largest uh, volunteer organisation in the country. In Ipswich, the network of churches is particularly strong. How would you see uh, engaging those churches in terms of making a difference for Ipswich? I think we're about to enter one of the most interesting periods in British public life for the last 50, 60 years. Um, and the reason for that is that I think that really everyone has come to a settled decision that the state can't provide everything. It just cannot physically help our society to grow and to prosper in the way that people, or some people thought 30 or 40 years ago. And it's wonderful how things happen in circles, don't they? And people have begun to realize again in political circles that it's the uh, it's the churches that are going to be able to provide much of the strength and the means to help society come together and to grow and prosper. Um, and specifically, that will mean delivery of welfare, um, more church schools, faith schools, which I'm very much in favour of. The kind of things where the church does best about education and looking after the least privileged and the most vulnerable, just like Heart for Ipswich is doing so fantastically. And what the state has got to be able to do is to stop being awkward about that and feel that it can start giving things to the church to do. Um, and giving the church the means to do those things. It's not just the church. There are other voluntary organizations as well. But you're right. The church is going to be the main um, or the largest of all the voluntary organizations that does that. So it's really exciting. Um, and it's exciting for those of us who believe the church should have a place in public life. Sure. Uh, we, we hear lots of rhetoric nationally about uh, the church being so significant. And if you took that volunteer organization out, how local services would suffer and so on. But actually on the ground locally, it's really hard for churches to engage because of the suspicion, because of the sense they come with a faith agenda. How would you help churches like ours uh, to, to kind of overcome what, what has been quite a brick wall we've felt in the past? Well, one of the ways is doing exactly what Heart for Ipswich is doing, and I've had some very heartwarming discussions with the police in Ipswich and how two, three years ago they were very nervous about town pastors, for instance, um, and they thought, oh, what's this? A whole lot of Bible bashers coming along to help on a Friday night. And that was the kind of phrase they were using. And now, of course, uh, all of their tasking meetings every week involve town pastors. Town pastors are on their radio um, when they're out in the evenings. Um, it's an incredible sea change because the church has come forward. But I would say there's also something the church can do. And in the same way that... Uh, Many people in public life have been nervous about politics, uh, about the church. The church should not be nervous about politics. Um, I've got a great friend who's a Labour councillor who's also a Methodist preacher. Um, it's really important that no matter what party you are, people in churches get involved in politics because that's the only way that you're going to get the kind of um, interlinking between the two communities uh, that we all want to see. Thank you. Let's, if I move the conversation into, into a different area, one of the things that, that concerns us is around uh, freedom of speech. 
uh, we're alarmed by some of the stories that hit the national press uh, around uh, uh, people in the workplace being disciplined or even sacked because they offered to pray with a patient or they mentioned something of a faith agenda in the work context. What, would, uh, what legislation might we expect to come forward from a Conservative Party that, that would help support that freedom of speech, particularly for Christians that seem to have a particular raw end of the deal just at the moment? Yeah, I mean, we oppose the, the legislation on, on um, discrimination on religious grounds for preci precisely this reason, um, that what it would lead to is a kind of a ratcheting up of the political correctness, um, which we've seen in that disgraceful um, sacking of the, the airline hostess who dared to wear a crucifix. Um, is disgusting, I think. And we need to... I, 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 don't, I have to say I don't know what the specific plans that we have involved are, but David Cameron has spoke a lot about trying to kind of pull back uh, the, uh, the legislation that's been put in place that stop people speaking freely and as they would wish. And I have to say that even if the party doesn't do it immediately, I'll be pushing for it because it's becoming impossible for anyone, even if you don't believe in, um, in God or, or, or not a churchgoer, to say anything which is at all different and controversial. Um, and we've got to take the rough with the smooth. And it, it, otherwise, we were going to fall down as a free society if we stopped doing that. There are, there are lots of that. I mean, we could go on for hours, yeah. uh, and it would be fun to do that. Uh, uh, and perhaps we will afterwards. There are lots of values that perhaps I could ask you around. Uh, uh, because the theme of this morning is about fatherhood, uh, can I ask you just about marriage and family? What might we expect in terms of support for the nuclear family, which we see as a bedrock for society, not just historically, but, but in terms of the, the collapse that we've seen because of family breakdown? What might we expect that would really help us again to capture, not just people of faith, but people from all walks of life, that capture the strength again of raising children in a nuclear family as we've known it in the past? Well, I mean, those of you who... It, it's going to be a very boring election campaign, I'm afraid, because it's going to go on for so long. But you, you will see one of the, uh, the main themes coming out of what David Cameron's talking about is about the family. Um, I have to share something with you. I'd repeat, don't repeat... I'm on telly, aren't I? I've got to behave. <laughs> I, I think... Um, yeah, one of the things that I found most impressive about uh, David Cameron, and I have to say I've kind of warmed to him, um, I wasn't someone who was right at the beginning um, the hugest cheerleader in the, in, in the world. I voted um, originally for Ken Clark. Um, is that he has shown a kind of level of commitment for the family, which I think is remarkable because it's a brave thing to do, given our previous conversation. And I think the reason he has that commitment, and having seen him speak about it, is because he has a really personal understanding of why the family is important because of his own personal circumstances. Um, you know, we can all be cynical about politicians, but you can sometimes see when people really do mean what they're talking about, and he, is, he, means, he means it about the family. And that has coincided with an, a, a kind of a realisation in the Conservative Party that we, we've got to be strong about the family if we're going to rebuild society, that actually the correlation between uh, lack of privilege, lack of opportunity, lack of education att attainment, uh, between poverty and family breakdown is very, very clear. And if we're going to build strong communities and societies and families, we have to have strong families. Um, and that means supporting fathers, actually, um, as, well as, as well as mothers. Uh, I, it, it really concerns me. I have to say, you know, I was, I was wayward at school and naughty. Um, I know that I would have been... I'm absolutely sure of this. If I didn't have a strong family, I've, I'm absolutely sure that I would have ended up at some point going down the wrong path and in prison. 
because it's often you know the the the, the, the naughty bright kids um, who need the most help from the family and and, and constraint. So I. Uh, I feel passionately about it. I know how much strength I've had from my family. Um, and I can only speak on behalf of David Cameron that I can see how much passion he has for it. And all of that will lie right at the centre of our policy making. Um, just small things about improving the married couples announced so you're not penalised for being marriage, married, um, to helping at every single point in government policy where it touches the family to reinforce the family structure, to try and help families stay together and stay strong. Sorry, it's a long way of saying, but it's an important issue for me and for the party. Money's tight. There's lots to do. So uh, finally, and then one uh, uh, very final question, but finally, uh, in terms of a main question, what, um, what's the priority then for Ipswich? You can't do everything. What would you do? Well, those of you who've um, quickly glanced at my literature before putting it under the cat tray um, will <laughs> know that the, the hospital is something I've been fighting for persistently since I came. Um, there's a big problem that they've been stripping out services from the hospital and moving, it to, moving them to big regional super centres. Um, and for me, I mean, this isn't a political thing, it's just something that I think local representatives should do, which is to fight for local services. Um, and so I've fought against moving the cancer treatment out of the hospital. Um, I lost that battle. Um, but every time it's got harder for them to do it, and then when they tried to move the emergency heart services out, then we won that battle. So we're now in a position where we're beginning to win more battles than we're losing. Um, I can do far more as a Member of Parliament, but it, it just if, if, if I don't win, um, I will come away happy that I will achieve something, um, even, even though I didn't have a democratic mandate to do so. So that's my priority for the town. Thank you, thank you. And we're divided as a community. You see, through the autumn, we turn on our tellies on a Saturday evening. Some would be Strictly, some would be X Factor, yeah. which we use. <laughs> yeah, X Factor, I'm afraid. But that, that, was, <laughs> that was entirely um, the dictatorship of my sisters. And <laughs> so I can't claim to have had any personal choice in that. <laughs> ben, we're delighted that you're here. Thank you for coming. Thank and, you very uh, much. We'd like to pray for you just for a moment, if we could, just as we, as we stand here. Father, we want to thank you for people that serve in public life. Your word tells us to pray for those that serve in that way. We pray for the way Ben serves the community of Ipswich now. And we pray that every good thing, every right thing, every truthful, honourable thing that he puts his hand to would be fanned into flame. In the name of Jesus, bless him, we pray. Bless his family, his friends, his community, his life. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Ben, thank you very thank you much indeed. Bless you.